And when you can make a change at an emotional level, then the beliefs change and the beliefs drive new positive behaviors that you do want. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Moira Gorski, and um, I have a wonderful special guest here today with me, Sarah Raymond, and uh, we connected through some of the ways that I've mentioned before that that um, people connect with me, and uh, I love to talk with my friends and colleagues and people that I know, but I also love to be introduced to new people, and um, especially I've it, they always seem to come across my desk, if you will, at the best time and things that I am really loving to learn about and uh, really want to learn about. And Sarah is really no exception. So Sarah Raymond is a trained hypnotherapist. She loves Pilates, yoga, meditation. She is the founder of the mindfulness movement. She has a podcast. She just really helps people develop a positive mindset for life and also look at again, limiting beliefs, red light stories. You've heard me talk about this on this podcast and just she's really committed to a life of helping people break those cycles of, you know, what's happening, those six inches between our ears, what's happening Mm -hmm. in, in our mind. And, um, so I'm really excited to talk with uh, Sarah today. Welcome to my podcast, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to, like you said, have the opportunity to connect with someone new and, and um, chat with you. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, you are very welcome. So let's get right into it. So hypnotherapy, how did you, you know, we always start with the story. So how did you come to be involved with that or with the yoga, the meditation? How did that um, come to be as something that you're really uh, interested and passionate about in your life? Sure. I, I would say I've always been interested in helping people. I, you know, even as a kid, I was kind of the nurturing one. I am the only girl in my family have two brothers. And it was sort of like, you know, I took care of people. I babysat when I was a kid. And I originally, I thought I was going to be a pediatrician, but I'm not so great at the sciences. And so that wasn't the route to go. But before all of the things that you listed, I was actually a kindergarten teacher. So again, more nurturing and helping people. And I have two kids and, you know, that like, I, I just love being of, of service, of helping people. Uh, but growing up, I was raised in a family and a community that, you know, everything was kind of planned out or there were certain expectations of the journey of your life, right? You finish high school, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, you have a family. And I, I did all those things. <laughs> and I didn't even consider if that was what I wanted or not. But after college, I had just started teaching and I 
was very young. You know, I was about 22. I got married. I had my daughter and I stopped teaching at that point. And I, I think I was really just thrown into that life very, very early. So while my peers were maybe, you know, finding themselves, understanding what their values are, what was important to them, what they wanted to do with their life, I was a wife and a young mother, and I didn't really ever consider, well, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want my future to look like? Uh, So fast forward to my early 30s, that was probably the first time I really ever considered who who I am, what I love, what I want to do. And that was really what brought me to meditation and hypnosis was to find my inner voice or my confidence and kind of tune out the the voices of other people in my head that were telling me, well, this is what you should do. And this is what's expected of you. And when I was able to tune those voices out and really be able to hear my own voice, which I would say is still a little bit of a challenge for me, but um, that's, that's what brought me to hypnosis and meditation was that desire to understand myself and build confidence in my authenticity, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I completely relate to that. I remember when we moved um, to the suburb that I'm living in now, which is outside of Chicago, uh, we had, you know, we married, I married in our in our late twenties, we both are the same age and, um, moved out to the suburbs, started having kids and joined a play group, joined a (laughs) health club and started to go, you know, and I, you know, we chose to, to put my career on hold and stay at home and, you know, went, started to go to other people's homes and get to know other people. And it was just kind of like, I remember coming home and saying to my husband, like, oh my gosh, you should see Laura's house. Or you should see Fran's house. It's just like, and I started to feel like, oh my gosh, like what we have is like nothing, which is not, yeah. not true at all. But again, I start, it's, we live in a beautiful area, beautiful suburb, upper middle class. And it was that like, like, wow, looking at that comparison thing that really is the thief of all joy, right? To say mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, maybe we're doing something wrong here. And um, I re- even remember my husband saying to me at one time, like, do you really want to be a stay-at-home mom? Or or not he, not, not that way, that, do I, but because I was saying, oh, I love being a mom. And he's like, really? But it was like, not that I, I mean, I did love it, but I also had three kids in like, you know, whatever, six years. So it's like, I was really overwhelmed with that. So maybe I was seemingly like, I wasn't really happy, but, but yeah, I I get that. I was raised also in a very conservative, you know, Christian, wonderful home. And it was this kind of thing. You went to college, (laughs) you got married, maybe you got your MRS degree. Right. And, um, and when you go outside of that, or even have some of the thoughts of going outside of that and conversations, you can be a bit shunned or looked at a little differently and questions about what are you doing? Why aren't you just being a mom or being right. a, staying a teacher, that kind of thing? Yeah. One of the things that really helped me in the, the mom realm was to understand that, you know, being a mom is going to look different for every single person and the ability to really look at yourself and understand what 
how you want to show up as a, as a mother, you have that choice, right? You don't have to do it like everyone else. And um, I know that when my mom was, you know, when I was a kid and she was being a mom of, of three young children uh, and we were all born very close, like a year to year and a half apart with, so three kids in diapers and car seats all at the same time. Like that was really hard for her. And she was able to recognize that in order for her to be the best mom that she could be, she needed to be going to work Mm. and like have her own identity. And, you know, that's not true for everyone, but to be able to look at yourself and say, okay, this is what I need as an individual, as a person to then be able to show up and be the type of mom that I want to be and just give yourself that permission to do that. Even if that's not what, you know, your neighbor is doing or your, your sister or whoever. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's very true. Um, Yeah. We even, we talk about that with our kids here with the high school, I mean, our, we're, we're done with the school system after many, many years, but we said that many times. It's, it's again, it's a great school system, wonderful schools that the kids have gone through mm-hmm. to, but it's kind of like, okay, you go through it, you take the AP classes, you, you know, apply to all these colleges, you're trying to get all the scholarships, you're the football player and the show choir and the blah, 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 all of that. Well, what happens if you, if that, none of that resonates with you, if you don't want to do yeah. that? I mean, it starts, it starts there. And I start with my children. We have a couple of kids, well, I have four children, but we have a couple of kids that it really, it, that's not the path that they're taking. And, um, and our youngest, I, we'll get to hypnotherapy in a second, but um, our youngest is leaving in a few weeks to go into the air force. And um, he's, a, he, he, and we have a, cool program at our high schools around here called TCD, which is Technical Center of DuPage. We live in DuPage County. And it's a place that starting your junior year, you can go and learn the trades and you can learn Mm -hmm. culinary and you can learn early childhood education. And and so that's what he chose to do. School wasn't really his thing. Never. It isn't now. And um, but he wanted to become a mechanic. And Mm -hmm. somebody talked to him about the fact that he could go into the Air Force, be a mechanic on all those big planes and helicopters. That's what he wants to do. He's so excited. It's so, you know, I tell people in this town when I talk, they're like, wow, really? That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even know that they could do that. Some people don't even know about that TCT program. It's like Mm -hmm. it should be talked about more because as our kids are growing up, it's like, let's expose them to other things. Like, where's the home ec? (laughs) You know, where's all of the shop classes and things like that? Not everybody's Mm going to want to do it, but there are some that do, right? And um, Mm -hmm. it can start there and help to set that foundation of you don't have to fit into this mold all the time that everybody's doing. Right. Yeah, I agree completely. My daughter fit very well into the traditional school setting, uh, and she just left for college this fall. And she's, you know, she's thriving. This works very well for her. But my son, uh, he's younger and he's not a in the box kind of kid. And, you know, kudos to you for looking at your children, each individually and seeing what they need and being the parent that is willing to facilitate finding those programs that will really nourish and support each child individually. And I think that that's phenomenal. And, you know, knowing we're working with people that are adults now and hearing 
their childhood stories and their experiences and the beliefs that they developed about themselves because of those experiences. You know, I wish there were more, more parents like you to really see their children for who they are and, and support that and nourish their kind of their own soul, if you will, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things that's come to us again, a little bit of a surprise at times. And even, um, our second child, our second son, he tried school and then he tried work and then he tried school and he tried work. And in June he left and I said, go to Montana, you know, it's a long <laughs> story and we don't have to get into that now, but he had an opportunity to go to Montana. We said, go for the summer. Cause he just needed to get out of here. And I think part of it was that like, Oh, well, his friends were gone. Everybody's doing this. And who am I? I'm just staying here. I can't really figure out my life. It's like, go someplace. So thank God this opportunity came up and he could, he, somebody was giving him a job. Somebody was giving him a place to stay and he could go build houses for the summer. I said, just go. Mm. Well, he hasn't been home since. And um, <laughs> I'm excited to see him in a couple of weeks. And he's still, as we had my a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago, he said, sorry, mom, I haven't called too much. Uh, Cause I'm sometimes I'm not in a good mood and sometimes I'm still trying to figure things out. But I said, you know what? The thing is you are figuring it out. And the fact that you went to a place that you knew he knew one person, that's how he went out there. A friend of mine's son was out there, but you moved in with a guy that you didn't know on a chance that it might work. You went to work for somebody working construction. You've never worked construction. You worked <laughs> landscaping. He's very, you know, he's very strong, athletic, you know, mm -hmm. great, quick learner. I mean, you went out there on a chance and I know you were nervous about it, but look at what you're doing. And, yeah. and again, it doesn't have to be like, he was so stuck with like, well, what's the rest of my life going to look like? What if I don't want to do landscaping for the rest of my life? What if I don't want to, who cares? I mean, it's hard to say that as a parent to be like, oh, I hope he figures it out, but it really doesn't matter. Like find something that you like now or learn it. And if it, like with you, you are a teacher. Now you're a mindfulness teacher. Mm -hmm. So things can move. I mean, you can still be a teacher, right? But you can, yeah. things can change in your life. And um, it's about finding, like you said, your passion, the things that fit mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk a little bit, because people may not understand hypnosis, or maybe they think of like, here's the watch, follow the watch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And so um, tell us a little bit about kind of the basics of hypnosis or what it is, why it works, that type of thing. I think that would be a good sure, thing. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I do get some people that, you know, might be interested in the process and they're worried about like doing something that they don't want to do or losing control. And uh, that is not at all what happens. And, you know, I think, like you said, people have this idea of stage hypnosis, like it's a show. And that is a type of hypnosis, which is very far from the kind that I practice. And uh, that's really more for entertainment, right? Uh, but in a in a therapeutic sense or a uh, a sense like coaching and and personal development or transformations, hypnosis is basically a relaxed and safe state of your nervous system. So when you are stressed and in fight or flight, you you don't necessarily you know things shut down and uh, you can't as easily connect with. Um, maybe memories from your past or your emotions. So in a state of hypnosis, you have a sense of safety and relaxation. It's not about being asleep. It's just 
the safe, relaxed state. And when you're in that state, you have a greater ability to connect with your emotions and your subconscious mind, which is where all of your early beliefs are stored. So we kind of get out of the logical thinking conscious mind. And the reason why that's very useful in terms of uh, uncovering subconscious beliefs or like you called them the, I think you said the the red light moments, right? The red light the things stories, that are just yeah. holding us back, right? When we think about our problems, let's say, um, you know, I'm having trouble in advancing in my career, I'm procrastinating, um, you know, lacking confidence. When I think about this logically, I might say, well, you know, I just need to schedule my tasks and really stay on track and do the work. And, you know, I understand what I'm doing. I'm good at my job, but there's something that's just holding me back. And we can only rely on our logic and our willpower so much to make that change. If there is an underlying belief that I'm not good enough or that I don't deserve success, then I'm never going to be able to use my willpower enough to get to the next stage or the next phase in my career. So by connecting with your subconscious mind and uncovering these limiting beliefs, it gives you the power to, well, number one, understand where they came from, how you got them, why they're there. And then you can say, well, you know, I'm I'm not this five-year-old child anymore that first developed this belief. And it's really not even true or relevant in my adult life. And therefore, I'm ready to let go of it. And when you can connect with the emotional, it's always going to win over the logic. And when you can make a change at an emotional level, then the beliefs change and the beliefs drive new positive behaviors that you do want. Yeah. Hopefully that, that makes sense. No, it's good. That's good. Um, I went through a course, mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, they, it just made me think of like the part that we talked about, about noticing. Like, I think that that's what certainly hypnosis can help us uncover and then notice, you know, well, you know, talk about when you were a five-year-old or an eight-year-old, or when you think about such and such, you know, not getting your tasks done, what does it make you, you know, think about, And then it's like noticing that, oh, wow, I guess I realized that my mom used to always say, well, you never get your stuff done on time. You're always a late bloomer or whatever it is. You know, it's those things that get into our subconscious mind. And, and I love be it hypnosis or EFT. And we've talked about so many of them on this podcast. I think it's, I think that's, I feel like that's a big part of it is that we can get to that point that we notice what's going on or what went on then, like you said, you have then the opportunity to say, you know what? Wow. That's not even true. And so I'm just not going to believe that anymore. And I'm going to move, going to make a different decision today. um, Right. Cause I'm not that little child that my dad, my dad's yelling at or My mom's telling me that I'm right. Can't ever do it kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. I do think that um, like you said, noticing is the first step, right? Building that awareness, building the connection with what you're actually experiencing rather than uh, numbing or, or blocking or doing things, behaviors, 
that allow you to not notice. And, you know, we talk about addictions being a way to like cover up what we're actually experiencing. And that might be drugs or alcohol. It might be working, right? We, we don't always think of working as an addiction, but it for sure is a, a way, a mechanism, a coping mechanism that people use to not deal with what they're experiencing, right? It allows you to kind of live from the neck up and not in your body at all. Um, you know, there's lots of other coping mechanisms, but some yeah. of them, you know, have the negative stigma and others, you know, our, our culture is really even just facilitating. Like we have this uh, expectation to work hard and earn lots of money and climb the ladder of success and so forth. And, you know, that unknowingly could be a coping mechanism to allow you to, to not notice. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's true. And so how do you, I mean, why do you think, I mean, are all these limiting beliefs, these red light stories, I mean, is it, is it because of though, because of our childhood? I mean, is that what it's, what it all leads back to is that that's how they develop? Because again, if you've listened to my podcast for anybody that's listening, you know, I talked about red light stories and limiting beliefs after my first dance competition. And, um, and then I did another one about my second dance competition and how my mindset was completely different and how it showed, how I showed up completely different. Um, but, um, so yeah, I mean, is it, is it just all our childhood of how these things come into play, if you will, in our mind that we feel like we aren't good enough or we're not smart enough or like the, I don't know if you're old, what, how old you are, but Stuart Smiley or whoever that guy was on, you know, from Saturday Night Live, Live, you know, I'm good (laughs) enough. I'm smart enough and people love me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I do think that that's the biggest factor is our childhood. And the reason that is, is your conscious, logical mind, the part of your mind that processes situations in a logical way doesn't fully develop until around 25-ish. And so when we're babies up until like mid-teens, we're experiencing the world through this part of our subconscious mind that is emotional. And it doesn't have the logical filter that can say, well, my mom seems to think that my brother is smarter than me because he got an A and I got a B and I see that she loves him more because of that. So with that experience, we don't say, oh, well, logically, I know she loves me also, and that she doesn't think negatively of my B, but instead we have this experience and we say, oh, well, I'm just not smart enough. I'm not good enough. My, my mom's love is conditional on performance. And that's how we know ourselves, right? We see ourselves and how we fit into the world through this non-logical, non-filtering mind. And so because our mind's job is really to do what it thinks we want it to do. And it it's there to almost 
prove that those beliefs are still true as we we come into you know our ability to have logic we still are run by those beliefs that were formed before logic was available and so in this scenario just made up but in the scenario where maybe i think that i'm not smart enough or you know i'm not good enough to receive love from my mom as an adult that's how i see my experience in the world so i'm going to see the negative i'm going to see those instances where i feel like i'm not smart enough rather than noticing the times where i am smart enough and i am good enough and i do receive love um so that will kind of drive my my experience right yeah i remember going through a um i think it was landmark that i did i don't know if you've done any of the landmark courses but um i remember one of the gals getting up and speaking and she talked about she was talking about her relationships with men and as she talked about growing up she shared that there was one day she woke up and there were suitcases by the front door and her father left Mm-hmm. And um, and so as the gal said, what did you take that to believe? And she said, well, I believe that the men that I loved, they all left. And so she went on to have very difficult relationships with men because she never believed that they would stay. So mm-hmm. there are those kind of things that I like you said, subconsciously, we may take them on and we believe that. And then but maybe we don't. I mean, again, we don't think about it that much. And then we were talking before we went live, like the way that we do one thing is the way we do everything. So it's kind of like, okay, that, and then you start to develop these behaviors against men or against others, or again, based our like feelings of joy on, well, I didn't perform well, or did I perform well? Did I win or did I not win? And it stems back to that years ago type of thing, which is really interesting. And, um, and the cool thing is, is there ways that we can get past that. And, um, and that's, again, what you do with this hypnotherapy. Um, I love that, you know, you talked about affirmations and, um, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Like, why do, you know, why do affirmations work? Just that silliness, like I'm good enough. I'm smart Mm -hmm. enough and people love me, but I mean, we chuckle about that, but those are the things that they actually do work, right? Yes, they do. And I think that to make them even more effective, the first step is to recognize the sort of opposite of what those positive affirmations are that maybe were part of your subconscious beliefs. And I I like to use the analogy of uh, gardening. And if you think about approaching a, a piece of grass, a part of your lawn, for example, and you think, okay, I don't want grass here anymore. I wanna grow a vegetable garden but there are steps that you need to take in order to have a, you know, a productive vegetable garden. And the first part is taking up the plants that you don't want. And in this case, it would be the grass because otherwise the grass is just going to keep growing and then it will take the nutrients and the things that it needs so that the vegetable plants don't have it. So you pull up the grass and you really have to get to the root of that plant Otherwise, it will just keep growing. Like you can cut the grass, but it'll keep growing. So you get to the root of the grass, and that's very similar to like getting to the root of the limiting beliefs. You take the grass out, and then you plant these new seeds that are the vegetable plants. But 
And that's like the affirmations, the positive affirmations, right? And you do have to continue to maybe weed here and there. Like he, the, you may have little pieces of grass that show up and you got to keep pulling them out. You got to keep doing the work to, to remove those limiting beliefs. But then there's this process of like taking care of the plants that you do want to grow. So that's where meditation comes into play. That's where connecting with what you're, like you said, noticing. That's the practice of noticing and nourishing the plants that you do want to grow. And that's the only way you're going to be able to really get those vegetable plants to produce vegetables. And I I think that the process of getting rid of limiting beliefs and taking those positive affirmations and making them work for you will really be effective. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a great great uh, visual that people can, um, can learn from. Um, and it is, is even, you know, part of that, I think, uh, nourishing the plants, if you will, the vegetables mm-hmm. is that accepting, accepting what other people say about you say, Hey, you're awesome. And you're great. And, and a lot of times I think we say, Oh, well, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. We and, um, it. Right. So just accepting that or saying, you know, thank you. I'm glad that you found benefit from whatever I did, or mm-hmm. um, I'm glad that you, um, I appreciate the compliment or something like that. It made me yeah. feel good. So just trying to accept yeah. that. Cause that I think is continues to give good, good nourishment, if you will, to those, mm-hmm. you know, to those plants. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, with your work, I love to ask um, my guests, you know, if there is, I mean, I love that uh, garden uh, analogy, but, you know, even if you have, because again, we have people listening to the podcast that are working to overcome addictions or they're working to, you know, improve their health. They're work- looking to improve their success in business. So really just looking to show up differently. And, and, um, mm-hmm. and, um, and so do you have kind of an example or someone that you, that you've helped that you can kind of kind of talk to about how they came to you and some of the things that you offered for them that helped them and kind of how that really um, sure. then has gone on to help them. Sure. Yeah. I, um, I try not to tell the same story over and over again, because so many of the clients that I've worked with are just so, I find it so fascinating and their transformation stories are really powerful. In fact, I find myself after each session talking to my husband and saying, oh, it's so interesting what this person has gone through. He, he kind of teases me because I think everything's so interesting. <laughs> right. Um, but one person, uh, one client that comes to mind uh, in terms of both addiction, you know, working on addiction, overcoming addiction, and also career it was kind of intertwined. Like you said, what you do in, in one part of your life, you do in all the parts of your life. But generally, people come to see me because they have listened to some of the practices on our YouTube channel. Um, and I think, you know, listening to my voice over and over again for months or even years builds a bit of trust. So this woman came to me and, you know, she she knew what I do and she she trusted me. You know, we had like a, a rapport already before we even started the session. Uh, but she came to me because 
she was at a transition point in her career and she was also struggling with a drinking problem that she wanted to to get over to recover from so that she could make the changes in her career that she really wanted and you know we talked about her her triggers or the situations that really play a role in both her addiction and the career changes that she was kind of stuck from. And a lot of it was just, that was what she knew. It was habitual. It was her life. That's how she interacted with her family members and her friends. And it was kind of expected that you just drink to excess. And so part of her struggle was really making a change that she felt she wouldn't be like disowned from her family or she would still be able to have a relationship with these, you know, people that are important to her without the drinking and therefore be able to make the transition in her career that she really wanted. So we talked about how to go about making those changes and still feel like you could have a connection with with her family. And I, I kind of use this analogy a lot for, for folks is that when you start to make a change, you are almost inviting those around you to either make a change also, or, you know, potentially not be part of your life as if you're, you're like, your, your life is a, a puzzle as a whole and you are just one piece of that puzzle and all of the different people that are around you, your career, your relationships, all of those are puzzle pieces that fit perfectly until you start to make that change. And then the shape of your puzzle piece changes and either the ones around you have to also change in the way that they interact with you and know you or you find a different puzzle piece to fit in into your puzzle. Um, but anyhow, we worked together. We understood her limiting beliefs and how they were affecting her. And, and I, I don't want to say they were causing her to drink, but they were enabling her to continue that habit. And that's why it, it made it so hard to, to stop drinking was because this belief was driving the behavior. And like I said, you can have only so much willpower before those beliefs just take over. Um, I always say willpower is like a muscle. You know, it fatigues eventually if you if you try to rely on it too much. Um, by but by changing her belief, understanding where it came from, she was able to easily stop drinking and it was almost as if she changed the type of person that she was. She became the type of person who isn't a drinker versus before we met, she was the type of person that was a drinker. And with that change, then she was able to start a new job and, and she was able to, you know, be successful in that new job because she believed in herself and she had the the confidence because she was able to you know quit drinking and that that inspired more confidence in her as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are scary times too when we think. Um, again, I love your your visuals. You know, you think <laughs> that you're going to make some changes, and like you said, you invite you're inviting other people to make those changes. Although sometimes we're like, well, you should stop drinking too. You know, we're not. That's not an inviting way to say it to <laughs> someone else, but um, you are kind of subconsciously. Um, and it's scary though, to think that, well, maybe my family won't like me anymore. Maybe my friends Mm -hmm. will be like, um, what are you doing? And like, why would you not drink? And I remember just like one day I was out to dinner with a friend and, um, and I was on kind of a, of cleanse, um, detox, you know, all fruits and vegetables all week, you know, soup, salads, really great, healthy eating, but you know, none of the caffeine, alcohol, you know, lots of water just got a good reset. And, um, and I, you know, my girlfriend and I had a dinner date, so I went out and whatever, I just didn't have anything to drink and she could not, I mean, it was very interesting. She's just like, just have a glass of wine. I'm like, I don't want a glass of wine. I mean, I still love wine, but I'm not going to have it this week because it's, and she really, it was very interesting. She really had a hard time. She goes, I don't really get it. I'm like, it's just because it's a, this is what I'm doing this week. It's not changing who I am. It's just what I'm choosing. And it was, um, it was interesting to see how she reacted to that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that that's probably, well, obviously it's more about her than it is about what you're doing. And she might be a little bit fearful that you're changing and therefore your relationship with her may, may also be changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little scary for people to see, you know, close relationships around them changing. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said. Well, and sometimes people have said to me too, that sometimes when we see something in someone else that kind of bothers us, it's Mm -hmm. perhaps a little bit of a reflection on something that's like the same thing in us, perhaps. (laughs) I don't know. Um, That's very true. We, you know, people are, are, are mirrors. Yeah, for sure. And and have you ever heard of uh, Lou Tice and the Pacific Institute? I don't think so. So Lou Tice is past, but he started um, the Pacific Institute. I don't know how many years ago, but he used to have mm-hmm. different courses and he may still have them. It's not something that I've uh, looked into most recently, but uh, some of the gals, some of my friends and colleagues um, in my wellness business have taken his his courses and then they've relayed some of the information. And it just seems to fit into this in that he talks about, again, what we say to ourselves and um, just things that we can say, like, it's just like me. I was thinking about your client, mm-hmm. like, it's just mm-hmm. like me to not have a drink, you know, at after work or whatever. It's just like having those, like saying those things. Wow. It's just like me to get to work on time. You know, it's just like yeah. me or it's, or it's not like me mm-hmm. to, um, or even saying that to our kids. Wow. It's that's, it's just like you to be right on time for breakfast or get your backpack or, you know, things like that, yeah. that again, those things that we can say to each other, that's almost like, like you said, she saw herself as a, a person, successful businesswoman who didn't drink. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's those thoughts that we have, but also sometimes we can say it to ourselves. Wow. It's just like me to, you know, to show up yeah. feeling great, not hung over and ready to start on the day, mm-hmm. you know, just those kind of things. But it is that she talks about, I mean, he's very, you know, reticular activating system and going to bed at night and writing your things. And then your reticular activating system goes to work. All of those things. We're not going to talk about all that science <laughs> today, but that's what it is. We start to say those yeah. things and our subconscious minds 
starts to believe it. It's listening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Word. I always say words are words are energy and they mean they mean things to us. Right. Like the difference between um, when you when you say my and then a symptom or a diagnosis, you are taking ownership of it like my anxiety versus the anxiety or even the symptoms of anxiety. And it's not changing the situation at all, but it's sending a very different message to your subconscious mind. Because if you have something that you're attaching ownership to, your subconscious hears that and says, oh, I want to hold on to that because it's important to you, right? Like the difference between I'm going to dinner with my husband versus I'm going to dinner with the husband, you know, it sounds, sounds Mm. very different. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. I think we could talk for a long time about all of this. (laughs) Again, I find it very interesting too. I think that's why we, we clicked and and get along because I find all of this fascinating and and interesting. But we will wrap things up here again, really interesting things. And I think you do wonderful work and help uh, people in lots of ways. And if people are interested in finding more um, and getting more of you, you have some wonderful avenues that people can find you and um, get things for free even before they contact you. So let us let uh, the audience know how you how we can find you. Sure. Uh, Probably the easiest way is the um, our website. It's the mindfulmovement.com or all of our content for free on YouTube. You can just search the mindful movement on YouTube and find out. I, I think we're, we probably have like 300 some videos. So lots of content to learn and practice and get to know us. And um, yeah, the mindfulmovement.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And when you say <clears throat> us, cause you do some work with your husband, right? He helps I do, you out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he is uh, my partner in, in life and in, in the business and, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Um, yeah. And um, again, that you offer those things that people can can learn as well as do mm-hmm. some practicing too with their own affirmations or uh, meditations and things like that. So everybody check that out because there's some cool mm-hmm. things that I'm still checking out um, as well. So any last words for our audience about what we talked about today or, you know, what you'd like to share with them? I guess to try to uh, connect with the positive in life, right? We have naturally humans are uh, biased towards negativity as a way to, you know, stay alive and protect ourselves. So in order to really be positive and believe in ourselves and, and so forth, we need to spend time connecting with what's positive celebrate your successes your strengths and the more you practice seeing what's good about yourself what's good about your life uh the more you will see what's good about yourself and your life Mm -hmm. yeah and it's definitely something that can change can change your life um even the we didn't talk about you know but it is that positive it's the gratitude um Mm -hmm. you know that I've talked about this before on the podcast, you know, just finding things that you're grateful for in your day, even though it's raining here, it's nice that we're getting (laughs) rain because we need, (laughs) it was supposed to snow today, but I'm certainly grateful that it's raining because I think there might be some snow tomorrow. So, ah, yeah, 
yeah, Midwest living here. So um, thank you so much, Sarah. It was really uh, wonderful to have you here and to share your knowledge with uh, my audience and get to know, um, have them get to know you a little bit too. So um, again, I really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, to the audience again, thanks always for coming back to listen. Thank you for sharing. Do know that, um, you know, as you share this podcast with other people, we just have a chance to help more people uh, know that there's hope in the world and we can have more positive than negative. And that's um, the way that we can really go on and live our best life. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.